to British Murders, a true crime podcast with a focus on British murder cases. My name's Stuart Blues, and I'm excited for you to join me on this journey of morbid discovery. I'm by no means an expert on the subjects of homicide and serial killers. However, I have always had a sick fascination with them. Together, we will learn about some of the lesser-known British murderers, as well as glimpsing occasionally at some of the more notorious ones. The bite-sized presentation of this podcast is intentional, as we look to cover an overview of the respective timelines of each case succinctly. The phrase sweet F.A. is well known in Britain. It is slang for nothing at all. An example would be if someone asked you what you had done all day, you might reply sweet F.A indicating you'd done absolutely nothing. In modern times, the initials F and A represent the words fuck and all, as in sweet fuck all. However, you may not know the original wording of the phrase as well as the history of how it came into existence. The original phrase is Sweet Fanny Adams. It was created in the late 19th century by British Royal Navy soldiers after the introduction of tinned mutton to their food rations in 1869. For reference, mutton is meat sourced from older sheep. When sailors opened the tins of mutton, they claimed it looked like the butchered remains of Fanny Adams. Since then, the saying has become a big part of British culture. But who was Fanny Adams? Sadly, she was a young child who was brutally murdered in Victorian-era Britain. Please try to refrain from giggling when I repeatedly say the word Fanny in this episode, and try to remember that it was the name of an innocent child who was killed. Our story today focuses on the murder of Fanny Adams, and we start in the market town of Alton. For any avid theme park enthusiast listening, I just want to confirm that I am not referring to Alton in Staffordshire in the West Midlands, which is where the Alton Towers theme park and resort is located. This Alton is based in Hampshire, South East England. Fanny Adams was born in Alton on April 30th, 1859. She was one of six children to her parents, George and Harriet Adams. Fanny had two brothers, George and Walter, three sisters, Ellen, Lizzie and Lily Ada, and grandparents who lived next door. The children were raised in beautiful surroundings, with the area being noted for its paper and textile mills. Alton was also renowned for its plentiful supply of hops, the flowers of which are used primarily in the manufacture of beer. This led to many large breweries opening in the town and made hop picking an integral part of its economy. Close to where Fanny lived was a flood meadow. This is a grassy area subject to seasonal flooding. A large hop garden was located next to the meadow. Fanny was well known in the small village where she grew up. She was described as an intelligent girl who excelled in school. She always had a smile on her face, would always mind her manners, and was noted as appearing far older than she was due to being much taller than many of the other children. 
Fanny had a best friend named Minnie Warner, who was the same age and lived next door to Fanny's grandparents. They spent enough time together that they were practically sisters. On Saturday, August 24th, 1867, the eight-year-old Fanny Adams was playing outside with her best friend Minnie and her then five-year-old sister Lizzie. This was pretty standard for a Saturday. The girls would spend all day playing, tire themselves out and return home for their tea. To confirm, when I say tea, I mean their evening meal. Some people may refer to this meal as dinner, however, the term dinner is sometimes used to represent the midday meal that others may refer to as lunch. I won't go into which I believe is the right term for each meal as it's quite a hot topic within the UK. However, I would love to hear your thoughts on social media as to what terms you use. Now back to the story. The weather on this particular Saturday was gorgeous. The sun was shining bright and the temperature was warm enough to warrant the children asking their mother, Harriet, if they could go to the flood meadow to play and cool off as many children were known to go there. Harriet, knowing that Alton was essentially a crime-free town, or at least it had been for many, many years, allowed the girls to go. After leaving the house, the girls passed through a small gate close by the house which led on to a hop field. After leaving the house, the girls passed through a small gate close by which led on to a hop field. Upon exiting the hop field, the girls stumbled onto the hollow, which was a narrow lane near the hop field which led to the nearby village of Shalden. It was on the hollow that the girls met someone who would change history forever. That someone was Frederick Baker, a solicitor's clerk who had arrived in Alton around two months prior to this encounter. He was wearing a frock coat, light-coloured trousers and a tall hat on his head. I'm guessing that was the style at the time. Given the small size of the community, the girls had seen 29-year-old Baker previously at the local church, where typically all of the village residents would gather every Sunday. Therefore, they weren't alarmed by his presence as they knew his face and trusted him. After chatting with Baker for a few minutes and eating some blackberries he had picked for them, the girls returned to playing on the hollow. Baker, however, didn't leave. He simply stood back and watched the girls as they played. When the girls had tired themselves out, they started walking towards their respective homes. Having been unaware of Baker's presence whilst they continued to play, the girls were shocked when he suddenly approached them again and asked Fanny Adams if she wanted to accompany him on a walk to the nearby village of Shalden. Naturally, the other two girls, Minnie and Lizzie, offered to go with them, However, Baker instead offered them three halfpence, around 70 pence today, and requested they purchase some sweets from the local shop. For anyone who was wondering, sweets is the British name for candy. Baker followed this up by offering Fanny Adams a halfpence, around 23 pence today, to accompany him on his walk to Shalden. Fanny rejected the offer, opting instead to return home with her best friend and sister. This was when things escalated rather quickly. Frustrated by all the rejection, Baker walked over to Fanny Adams, picked her up and carried her over his shoulder 
into a nearby hop garden. Minnie and Lizzie couldn't believe what they had witnessed. After the initial shock of seeing this 29-year-old man abduct their friend and sister, the two remaining girls ran back to Minnie's house and informed her mother, Martha, what had happened. Given the lack of crime in the area, and the likelihood that Minnie's mother wasn't aware of who was playing, the girls left from Fanny's house after all, Martha dismissed what the girls were saying as poppycock. Nonsense. The girls were then sent to Minnie's room to continue playing, whilst Martha continued her chores. It is suspected that the girls, based on the reaction of Martha, felt that they had overreacted, and that Fanny was absolutely fine. Later that day, Lizzie returned home, however, she was stopped en route by a neighbour. The neighbour, Mrs Gardner, asked her where Fanny was, as it was unusual for Lizzie to be unaccompanied walking from Minnie's house to her own home. Lizzie innocently explained to Mrs Gardner that Baker had carried Fanny away after they had finished playing on the hollow. After hearing this shocking information, Mrs Gardner went straight to Fanny's house and told Harriet what Lizzie had just told her. The two women left the house right away and searched the nearby area for Fanny Adams. After finding nothing, the two women ran to the gate the girls had used which led to the hop field near the flood meadow. When they got there, Mrs Gardner and Harriet ran into Frederick Baker, who was leaving the hop field just as they arrived. Wasting no time and getting straight to the point, Mrs Gardner asked Frederick Baker what he had done with Fanny Adams. Baker calmly stated that he had given the girls money to purchase some sweets, which he did often, and that Fanny was likely still at the local shop. Mrs Gardner replied by saying, I have a great mind to give you in charge of the police, to which Baker told her she was free to do as she wished. It shows how much people trusted each other in those days, as Baker's respectable job as a solicitor's clerk led to the two women's concerns diminishing. Mrs Gardner and Harriet then returned to their respective homes, as they felt that Fanny was either at the local shop or still playing in one of the surrounding fields. They believed that she would return home shortly. A couple of hours passed and there was still no sign of Fanny Adams. The two women formed search parties with other locals, with some focusing on the local streets and others heading towards the hollow and the hop fields. At the same time, hop farmer Thomas Gates started conducting his daily plant checks. Upon entering his field, he was greeted with a truly horrific sight. What he found staring back at him was the decapitated head of a young girl placed atop two of his hop poles. The head had been mutilated. Both eyes had been removed along with the right ear. The mouth had been sliced up to the ears on both sides in what must have looked like what we now know as a Glasgow smile. A Glasgow smile is a wound caused by making a cut from the corners of a victim's mouth up to the ears leaving a scar in the shape of a smile. The practice is said to have originated in Glasgow, Scotland in the 1920s and 30s. Scottish actor Tommy Flanagan of Sons of Anarchy fame 
bears these scars from when he was attacked outside a bar in Glasgow. The hop farmer ran to the village to inform everybody of what he'd found. Given there were no other known missing persons within the small village, it was assumed that the severed head belonged to Fanny Adams. Upon hearing the devastating news, Harriet planned to run and tell her husband George, Fanny's father. He was in the middle of a cricket match when his daughter's head was found in the hop field. Unfortunately, Harriet passed out, so a neighbour had to tell George instead. Filled with anger, George returned home and loaded his shotgun. His fellow neighbours managed to calm him down, however, and they kept George and Harriet company for the rest of the evening. On August 25th, 1867, the following day, the whole community took part in searching the hop fields near where Fanny's head had been found. Several body parts were discovered in various locations throughout the day, including a left arm, a leg and a torso. The left arm had been deeply cut, dividing the muscles. The forearm was cut off at the elbow joint and her left leg nearly severed off at the hip joint, with her left foot cut off at the ankle. The chest and pelvis had been completely removed from the torso, with some internal organs further slashed or mutilated. The liver and heart had been cut out and thrown away, along with the vagina. Despite this, there was no sign of rape on the body. The nearby River Way, a tributary of the River Thames, was where Fanny's eyes were found. Local police joined the search party in an attempt to further locate evidence along with the murder weapon, however, nothing was found. Superintendent William Cheney then arrived at the scene. He was met by several residents from the community who led him to the Leathern Bottle, a local pub. On the way, the villagers told Cheney the story of how Baker had lifted Fanny over his shoulder and walked away with her into the hop field. After arriving at the pub, Cheney told all the other officers to find out where Baker lived and worked. Later that evening, after finding out the requested information, Cheney and his team arrived at Baker's place of employment. Given it was around 9pm at this point, the officers didn't expect anybody to be there. To their surprise, Baker was working away at his desk when they opened the door. After being informed that he was now a suspect, Baker began hysterically protesting his innocence. Given that the only information available was Minnie and Liz's testimony, along with the fact that there were no other suspects, Frederick Baker was arrested for the murder of Fanny Adams. Noticing an angry mob forming outside the solicitor's office, Cheney thought it would be wise to head out the back door with Baker rather than the front. Another arm, foot and intestines were found the next morning. The foot was still in a shoe and the hand of the arm still clutched the two half pennies that Baker had given to Fanny. The breastbone was never found. A stone was then found by one of the locals which still had flesh and hair stuck to it. It was handed into the police as potential evidence. The stone was consequently suspected as being the murder weapon. Upon his arrival at the police station, Baker was strip-searched and his clothes were taken away for inspection. 
police found two small knives hidden in the trouser pockets. They were clean, with no blood in sight, however, Baker would have had more than enough time before his capture to clean both knives after murdering Fanny Adams. After being questioned about his appearance, Baker responded, Well, I don't see a scratch or cut on my hands to account for the blood. Further inspections led to officers finding bloodstains on both wristbands of his shirt, whilst his trousers showed evidence of recently being soaked, indicating an attempt had been made to wash away any evidence or bloodstains. Whilst being interrogated, Baker remained calm. He had an answer for everything, and as a result of his status in the village, he was viewed as being unable to commit such a heinous crime. With no official murder weapon, it was tough to pin the murder on Baker at this point. Cheney then decided that Baker's residence and place of employment needed to be thoroughly searched. Nothing was found at Baker's home, however his place of employment was where a key piece of evidence was located. Amongst the many legal papers scattered all over, officers found a diary in Baker's desk. Naturally, the first thing Cheney did was to turn to the entry written on August 24th, 1867, the day that body parts were discovered and, unbeknownst to officers, the day of the murder. The passage simply read, Killed a young girl. It was fine and hot. Imagine killing someone and writing it in your diary that you keep at work. If there was ever a time to skip writing a diary entry, surely that was it. Cheney returned to the station and questioned Baker about the diary entry, however, he remained unfazed. Given the lack of a reaction from Baker, Cheney thought it would be best to have his sanity assessed. The result came back to confirm that Baker was in fact sane. As a result of the findings, Frederick Baker was transferred to Winchester Prison on October 19, 1867. Investigations continued by the Hampshire Constabulary throughout October. A key witness, a young boy living close to Fanny's family home, informed the police that on August 24, 1867, he had seen Baker emerge from the hop garden at around 2pm. Baker's hands and clothes were reportedly covered in blood. The young boy explained that Baker then stooped down into the river and calmly wiped himself with a handkerchief before placing what looked like a knife back in his pocket. The boy had reported what he saw to his mother right away, however, she had dismissed it as she thought it was a joke. Further inspection of one of the smaller knives found in Baker's trousers led to investigators finding coagulated blood on the blade. More blood was then found on Baker's waistcoat, trousers and stockings. Fanny Adams's post-mortem found the cause of death to be a blow to the head by a heavy instrument, most likely the stone found by the villagers. It was also confirmed that Fanny had been dismembered by someone very inexperienced, resulting in her body being hacked apart and pulled to pieces rather than being expertly dismembered. Forensic staff in London concluded that the small knives found in Baker's possession would not have been capable of severing Fanny's body, so another weapon had to have been used. All the while, 
Baker remained calm and collected in Winchester Prison, often proclaiming his innocence to staff and speculating about who he thought the actual murderer was. He ate and slept well, which was in contrast to his time in Alton's prison, where he was reportedly disturbed in his sleep and physically shuddered at the sight of meat. The trial began on December 5th, 1867. Baker's defence team requested that Minnie's testimony be stricken from the record. More specifically, it was Minnie's identification of Baker that they requested to be struck from evidence. The defence also claimed that the two knives found on Baker's person were incapable of causing such damage to a person and that they, therefore, shouldn't be linked to the crime. This was followed by a plea of insanity from the defence team. Baker's father explained how his son was often ill as a child and frequently visited the doctor. He was described by his father as nervous and even complained about pains in his head. Baker's sister stated that her brother was always a delicate child and suffered greatly after having typhus fever. He had even threatened suicide as a child after his girlfriend ended their relationship. One of Baker's longtime friends recalled a conversation that took place in November 1864, whereby he thought Baker was, quote, out of his mind, unquote. Another friend of Baker's said he always viewed him as weak-minded. The defence added to this by arguing that mental illness ran in Baker's family. His cousin had previously been sent to insane asylums and his sister was diagnosed with brain fever. Brain fever refers to any condition that causes the brain or any part of the brain to become inflamed, which can cause fever-like symptoms. Baker's sister had also attempted to commit suicide on several occasions. Once all this evidence had been shown to the jury, they were sent away by the judge to consider a verdict of not responsible because of insanity. The jury returned after only 15 minutes of consideration. They found Frederick Baker guilty of the murder of Fanny Adams. They also concluded that he was perfectly sane. Baker was sentenced to death. It has been noted that before his execution, Baker underwent a total change for the better. He began to realise the awful condition in which he was placed and his callous demeanour was changed to one of deep dejection. It was also reported by the prison chaplain, or priest, that Baker fully acknowledged the justice of his sentence. Before his death, Baker wrote a letter to Fanny Adams' family expressing his sorrow for what he had done and pleaded for their forgiveness. On Christmas Eve of 1867, Frederick Baker was led to the gallows by the executioner. Over and over he repeated, May the Lord have mercy on my soul. Baker ascended the steps of the gallows and the priest said a final prayer. The executioner then drew the cap over the face of Baker and arranged the noose around his neck. The bolt was drawn and after a few seconds of struggling, Frederick Baker was dead. Baker was the last person to be hanged in public at Winchester Jail in front of a crowd of around 5,000 spectators. 
Time for a quick side note about hanging as this is something you may not know. The knot of the rope isn't placed at the back of the doomed person's neck as you may think. It's usually placed to the side, typically the left side, underneath the jaw. The reason for this is that the pull on the knot at the end of the drop forces the jaw and head violently up and to the right. This, combined with the jerk of the rope becoming taut, causes the upper neck vertebrae to break, which typically results in instant death. Any hanging where the person is swinging for a while after the drop, this is likely due to incorrect knot placement and they will therefore suffocate due to their neck not being broken. Fanny Adams was buried in Alton Cemetery. The headstone, erected by voluntary subscription, reads, Sacred to the memory of Fanny Adams, aged eight years and four months, who was cruelly murdered on Saturday, August 24th, 1867. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Matthew 10.28 That was the story of British murderer Frederick Baker. For more on British murders, don't forget to like and subscribe to my channel on social media. I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube. You can become a Patreon member by visiting patreon.com slash britishmurders or you can make a one-off donation to help with the production of the show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash britishmurders. Please continue sending your story suggestions to me. You can do that either via direct message on social media or you can send me an email at britishmurderspodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying British Murders, please leave me a review on iTunes as it really helps the show grow, it increases exposure and it would be greatly appreciated. For now, I've been Stuart Blues. This has been British Murders. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, cheerio.